0: hello welcome to the xx mormon podcast i'm heavenly mother and i am presiding over this meeting as a non-priesthood holder but literal i'm heavenly mother creation creator is in there and then conducting slash guest speakering is elder jackson
1: elder jackson that's me some people you know we've been getting a lot of emails and about like elder jackson it's been more than two years you're still on a mission um yeah, I am ultra righteous, so I asked for an extension um, and that's why I'm still elder haven't gotten the promotion to to bishop or you know elders quorum president or anything like that so i'm just uh, I'm just hanging out here on my mission preaching preaching the good word and speaking of the good word um I'm very tired, but I love talking about white supremacy first thing in the morning. That's every morning when I wake up. I'm like, wow, I love, I love white supremacy so much. Um, hopefully someday that gets taken out of context and somebody comes after me, you know. But I was up late last night watching a television show. Can you call it a television show when it's on streaming? I feel good saying that. It's a, te- it's a TV show. Uh, that i was watching on my ipad via the internet um and it's called the after party it's very funny it's on apple tv plus it stars a bunch of people um and uh yeah i think people should watch it here's the thing though i have realized i think i'm the only person on the planet who has never pirated anything I
0: haven't either.
1: Okay. Okay. So I'm in good company. I'm always confused because I always tell people I'm like, I'm like, oh, you know, it's a good show. And I'll like recommend something. I'll be like, I've really enjoyed Foundation. And then they say, oh, yeah, I like Foundation. I was like, oh, sweet. Well, you might. You should watch uh, on Apple TV Plus as well. You should watch the After Party. And then they're like, oh, um, I don't have Apple TV Plus. And I'm like, oh, what? wait i'm like oh okay well all right so you know get apple tv plus there's actually some surprisingly good uh good shows on there that i've enjoyed Uh, that's my uh that's my plug for the day i'm turning you know i'm starting it off light you know i want to jump in everybody can watch a, a comedy with a diverse cast and uh It's it's actually very well done. It's they also it's a comedy, but it's also a murder mystery and also an exploration of a variety of film genres and styles. Mm. It's like, guys, watch the like first two, watch the first three episodes. You'll love it.
0: That's solid. And I totally forgot when I was in middle school, I used LimeWire to download music from Mm. my iPod, so I did pirate. But in my defense, my brother Methuselah and my sister Mary Magdalene showed me how to do it. And
1: so. doubly in your defense, I know for a fact that my seminary teacher growing up pirated music, so God. Uh, he and he said he said, "Well, I pay four cents for it for each song, so I f- I'm not sure it's pirating. <laughs> I'm like, well, <laughs> I don't know." <laughs> yeah back oh in the God. day
0: so cringy i had a friend get me an itunes gift card and i was like oh i don't use itunes but if i could find that thing because now you can buy movies on there mm-hmm. and then you have a digital copy forever i would use it because yeah. i never i knew people that had itunes accounts and then everything on their account would go missing sometimes really it just be like, what it was yeah and that was never explained to me but i don't know what that i don't know what that's about weird um, Yeah. Ooh, I wanted to clarify something that is super serious because I thought about and I was like, God damn, heavenly mother, why did you word it like that? Journey back with me. Last episode, we're talking about slavery in the 1600s, and I said, I don't know if it got worse. I think people have always been terrible to each other. What I meant was slavery, early 1600s to late 1600s, but how that sounded makes me have to clarify. I I'm not one of those people that are like, slavery's always been around. No, 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 no. The transatlantic slave trade, the African diaspora slave trade, shaggle like slavery, chattel slavery was insurmountably worse, if not just in cruelty, than the sheer mass. So I wanted to clarify that. The world had seen slavery before, but ever at this magnitude, this many people, this many people going through the limitless cruelty they're like, if your imagination can think it, had happened type type situation. So I want to clarify, in my opinion, um, the transatlantic slave, slave trade is one of the worst crimes against humanity that has ever happened. Mm-hmm. And so I want to clarify, I'm not one of those people that say things like, well, slavery has always been around. It's just what people do. No, this was way worse. Yeah. <laughs> so, also,
1: when people justify things by saying like, well, it's always been that way. It's like, okay. But like does it have to be that way? <laughs> you know, like,
0: worse well, there's,
1: there's always going to be some bad eggs. It's like, yeah, but it'd be nice if the bad eggs were like rude customers instead of like people enslaving other people. You know, like just <laughs> a suggestion, real. just a recommendation from Elder Jackson as, as a priesthood holder and as somebody who has been called of God to preach the good word. The good word is don't enslave people. If you haven't figured that out by now, well, you might be lost.
0: Oh, God. And it's just it uh, tickles me pink because that was the excuse used at the one of the many excuses used at the time to justify why it was happening. And so it's like, wow, here we are again, still minimizing it hundreds of years later. Not even that long, actually, since then, since it was legally ended. Anyways, that's my little clarification. We can get back into the topic. If you are ready, I am
1: so ready for some white supremacy.
0: All right. So the the number, uh, the the number, the one that we're at next is, I mean, another one of those like painfully obvious Mormon Church does this. It's power hoarding.
1: Mm. Yeah. I mean. Yeah.
0: What examples do we use about the church's greatest tool for white supremacy? Hoarding power. Yeah,
1: hoarding power. Um, up at the top of the food chain. Uh, hoarding power via money. Yeah. Um. You know, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, do you think people have heard about the church's like hundred billion? Do you think people know about that? Maybe we should let the audience know.
0: Yeah, let the audience know. In case people have... I think if you're new to being an ex-Mormon, there's so much that everyone else... Like the cat truly is out of the bag. I remember you said that on mm-hmm. episode with um, my husband and the brother of Jared a while ago. Mm-hmm. Um, missionaries yeah, missionaries on Facebook. So people that aren't Mormon are very much aware. But if you're an active member or a recently left member, they might not. So go ahead and explain.
1: Yeah, so the church... Uh, in, I think, like 2000, 2001, 1999, around there, uh, got, they, they had like 7 billion bucks. And of course, as you do when you have 7 billion dollars, you ask somebody, you're like, what should I do with this? And instead of asking like kind, thoughtful, charitable people who are like, my goodness, let's work on world hunger. They asked like investment bankers and they got a fund set up they got a bunch of shell companies set up but that's a whole other can of worms and uh and then they grew it and grew it and grew it because they take in a surplus of tithing every year and don't do as much charity as you would hope and of course it's not taxed they also own a bunch of businesses and so all this extra money Goes into this big pile of cash at Enzyme Peak, and uh, and it's grown and grown to over a hundred billion dollars. Although I think I think the specific account is like thirty five billion or something like that. But all of all of the money together is over over one hundred and fifty billion dollars. I think. If you want to learn more, because I don't know, you know, a ton of the details off by heart go to the widow's Might report. Um, that is like a full, super good, clear overview of the church's assets and what they have and how they use their money and all of that. So yeah, that's, that's, that's the Cole's Notes version.
0: God, well, I was wanting to make this point on the podcast for a while and it's serious. I'll try to make it funny at the end. I'm at the point in my life, right? I'm almost thirty, and I'm going to be thirty relatively soon. Kind of not really. I don't know. <laughs> um, I'm my frontal cortex is formed. Okay, that's my point.
1: Yes, I'm at the point in Heavenly my mother's life. Mother's a genius. You l- yeah. listen up, peons.
0: <laughs> I'm at the point in my life where apathy, complicity, and a lack of action are on the same little rowboat as actual hatred. And that's, that's where I stand. If you have the, when I was a little kid journey with me, my cute little parents told me this thing that I used to think was harsh. And now I'm like, I get it now where they would tell me if someone was being bullied, if someone was being picked on and I wasn't the bully, but I wasn't doing any, doing anything to stop it. Then I was just as bad as the bullies. And I was like, God, that's harsh. And I was an adult. I'm like, Man, my parents were right. Obviously, there are safety situations you have to consider. Like, mm-hmm. is this worth risking your life to intervene, etc.? Viewer discretion is advised for that. But I'm at the point where, so socially, politically, whatever, the complicity is equal to the hate. Like, that's that's where you, the journey is there. Like, if if you're allowing. Uh, certain horrific injustices to occur, even if you're not participating in mm-hmm. it, it's going to look the same. Like the hate wise, you're you you you're the problem. Um, and so when I think about the church and the way that they hoard power and the way that they hoard resources, there are limitless uh, other ways they could be spending their money that would be for the betterment of the literal world. They could even say, you know, we're not going to give things to literal people but we'll just help the environment like crazy that would help actually help human beings and, and like the et cetera, so on and so forth. Cause it's, we're all like, it's all connected. You've helped with deforestation. You're going to help an innumerable amount of people, et cetera. So they're not even using their money for things that seem pretty non-biased, pretty non-political. Um, because environmental issues at this current point are kind of crossing party lines it's mm-hmm. uh, hard to ignore. They're not even doing that. They make state they've made statements about like, be nice to the earth, Ugh, Captain Planet, but they're not putting their money anywhere. So to me, I was like, okay, so you are the same as big oil. So you're mm-hmm. the same as big gas. So you're the same as whatever. Anyway, that's my little rant. I don't even know how to make that funny, other than the church is that person watching you get beat up and not doing anything about it. Yeah, the church.
1: Yeah. Um, Also, I was thinking about this. Um, The church also hoards opinions, right? Like it hoards uh, your right to have your own thoughts, and I think I think that could be a big way that this ties into white supremacy specifically because all of these tools can be used by anyone for anything like I don't um, as we're going through them like I see the connection specifically to white supremacy less and less because power hoarding somebody who hoards power doesn't necessarily become a white supremacist right but you can hoard power as a tool to be a white supremacist and I think the church does do that by its racism, like blatant racism, especially before the blacks could have the priesthood, um, and then you know, uh, and then uh, also like saying that the Lamanites were cursed with dark skin, right, and um, and all of all of these things like that, especially because the curse of dark skin on the Lamanites, which the church interpreted and you know very blatantly made up as uh as the indigenous people of the americas the church used that to justify their white supremacy their blatant 19th century white supremacy of well you know they they couldn't have built all these things there had to be a white race that did it right all of that comes out of white supremacist ideals. And that's that's where the, the church was born. So although like, just because somebody hoards power, it doesn't mean like they're a white supremacist, but the church uses these things as a tool of white supremacy. Um, because I mean, it it's a racist organization. I know everybody listening to this uh probably just like got a big shock to the system so we're going to give you a minute to just like think about that like oh my goodness the church (laughs) is racist i'm listening to an ex-mormon podcast and i'm just learning now that the church is racist yeah yeah it's true so uh thanks for listening
0: (laughs) (laughs) um i can go to the next one if you're ready yeah this one is interesting because I didn't really, it took me a while to process because I, like everyone, I'm unlearning all of the things white supremacy has indoctrinated me with mm-hmm. that we didn't even know was around. So, hey. or have the, we didn't. let me rephrase, we didn't have the words for what it was. Several yeah. of these things on the list, you know what I mean? Like you mm-hmm. and I are like, damn, that is exactly what it was, but I didn't have the words. It just felt like it was, was wrong. Um, so this is fear of open conflict.
1: Yeah. Okay. So explain explain this one a little bit. Tell me your thoughts.
0: I know, right? Ready for deep fear of open conflict. So this is a, a wonderful example. Is the super hot tension at a stake meeting or a ward when they say all opposed, raise your hand. All in favor, raise your hand. Mm. How goddamn awkward was it at general conference, the few times that it happens when somebody raises their hand, how, I don't know, this happened to me one time during a big stake meeting, my dad had a calling that was like kind of regional and they said the title and the specific duties of his calling wrong. So he said all opposed, and he like stood up and he's like, "That's not my job." Like you got it wrong, and like, "Oh my bad." And then they like flip through, and someone like whispers in his ear, like oh, Okay, sorry." And that was the only time that it happened in my life. But that is a perfect example of fear of open conflict because how uncomfortable does it get if somebody does oppose?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: that's a solid, solid example. Tensions are hot yeah. anytime somebody dissents from the speaker <laughs> it's yeah really awkward.
1: i remember um when the first the first time i remember somebody opposing in general conference i was i was younger i remember Ukdorf was conducting it was when he was like you know um the vote has been noted and it was like super awkward you could tell like this is new right And I remember when somebody stood up and shouted opposed, I was like, oh no, it's the end of the world. Like Jesus is coming back soon. This is the wheat from the chaff. Like I was like, oh my goodness. It was so scary. I remember like, I remember sitting there in uh, my family room, just like shocked, shocked. And I I felt the adrenaline running through my veins. I was like, Oh no, oh no, like it's happening, it's happening, everybody, it's happening, <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, so um, fear of open conflict, I think, again, specifically how this ties into white supremacy um, is when you see the uh, like wh- when you confront members of the church with, you know, hey. So, what about that racism? They're like, oh, well well, like we don't do that anymore, you know, and they always say, "We love our black brothers and sisters we We love our Polynesian brothers and sisters, you know, like they always like they it is so it is so strange, but i I think that's kind of how how the church uses well, none." I don't even know if I'd say use because I don't know how intentional that is, but it is something that exists.
0: Uh, well, preach. Oh, I may cut you off. Preach it. I was just going to say the wording is so clever because I've realized more and more the very sneaky ways Mormons want to be racist. Mm. And one of the things that they say is like, we love our Polynesian brothers and sisters. Yeah you the little us versus them right there Yeah. because you're saying that you love Polynesian people if they're a member of your church, your organization. Right. Do you care about Polynesian people as a whole as they mm. are victims of colonization and what has happened to their little island right now on fire because of colonization? No. You, I love our black brothers and sisters, but you don't love the average black person that you don't know that has nothing and it doesn't even need to be about love it can just be like hmm this is a this is wrong (laughs) yeah that that's wrong like um defunding a public school that's predominantly black students and teachers is wrong like you should care about that and they're like you know what they're not mormon so it's not my problem Mm -hmm. i don't even think they would connect a lot of them don't connect that that is racist because they say the whole, I don't see race thing. Cause the truth is they're okay with defunding any thing. You know what I mean? Like there isn't, but unfortunately that's how, that's how racism works. One of the many ways is that you have these other social structures, but people of color just happen to be suffering even more and mm-hmm. it gets a little more specific and it gets a little more painful. Um, and there's, like, history behind it. And, like, that's kind of the difference. Because a lot of Mormons are pretty heartless. It just looks extra bad and is extra bad when they're heartless towards people of color. Mm. That's my two cents on the matter. Because they seem, like, befundled. If you're like, well, that's kind of racist. And they're like, well, I just hate anybody that's not Mormon. <laughs>
1: that's
0: I just don't give a rat's ass about anybody that's not me.
1: I, I also think um that... Yeah, that there's the the f- fear of conflict when, yeah, when you when you bring up past racism, they're like, "Well, we don't do that," you know, and, and they kind of want to sweep it under the rug. Um, also, I just want to say, uh, we love our white brothers and sisters. I don't know who needs to hear that today, <laughs> but I just I want you to know that uh, you are you are loved. You know, I know you never hear it over the pulpit. Could you imagine? Over over the pulpit. We love our white brothers and sisters, like whenever they're talking about Utah or something. That would be that's, funny. It's kind of patronizing.
0: It's so patronizing. I think you saying it that way probably, I'm hoping, hit like the little heart of all of our white listeners because that's mm-hmm. something that I, I think is really important. It's to help ex-Mormons who are white kind of understand how big of a problem this is. And if you have to put yourself in our shoes as people of color, even though I am white presenting, um, got all the trauma though. Anyways, then I, I don't care if that's how you have to do it. If that's mm-hmm. how I have to do it, go for it. If, it. if it's more real, if you imagine what it's like to be us, please do that. So you saying that, making that joke, like, yeah, if it felt uncomfortable and patronizing, that's how it feels to be a Native American member. That's how it feels to be a Black member. That's how it feels to be a member of color where you're like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. and I, I yeah, I, for, I I forget what I was, I was going to add to that. Um, but it is, it is very, very paternal. Like, oh, I, I remember what I was going to add now. Um, so, I know a lot of people, so talking about, like, ex-Mormons learning, you know, about these different experiences from different people and stuff. I know a lot of people say, like, well, I I left because I saw the way my gay friends were treated. You know, I I left because I realized it was racist. I left because of whatever. I did not leave over any of those things. I am a white, cishet man, right? Like, the church was made for me right like that was <laughs> that was my thing i fit in people liked me i had fun right um i i left cuz it's not true right like it's just it's made up and and so i know like like part of me feels like because i am uh i think i'm a progressive and accepting loving kind person because i mean i love my black brothers and sisters oh my
0: God. Um, <laughs> but, as continue as you were, <laughs> as you were.
1: Um, but uh, i like i i did not leave over any social issue i left because it's not true and then after leaving that's when i started learning like oh wow that was really racist oh wow, that was really homophobic, you know, and, um, and yeah, because it, it worked for me. And I'm willing to admit that I had a great time in the church. Um, and, and then, yeah, I left because of truth claims. And then after that, then I, then I learned and um, learned to empathize and hear what other people's experiences were like.
0: I'm glad that you admit that because I think sometimes ex-Mormons feel a little lost, maybe not with other podcasts, but with this one, because whenever, whenever Heavenly Mother's on, I'm pretty social justice vibes. And I think some people are like, Whoa, is this what I signed up for? Yes. Cause you left the church and good for you. And you're on our side already. So just continue this journey with us. Um, I think it's so important, but I also, you know, I really see members of the church as victims. So I don't look back at that member you and hate you or I'm angry at you. I think it's a real testament to the power of gaslighting mm-hmm. because there's, there's a point we'll get to on the list, but it, it's kind of about the power of, I don't want this thing to be true. So I'm going to use cognitive dissonance. Mm-hmm. And I remember listening to your episode with Bishop Jensen fairly recently, where you said that stuff would make you uncomfortable, but then you'd have a quick mental gymnastics mm-hmm. and be like, I'm okay. I'm at peace and then other stuff coming. It's like the big financial things with the church, I think are that too. They could do cognitive dissonance for so many things because all it takes, right, is to see a few women in the church say, I'm not oppressed, or see a few gay members in the church say, I'm not oppressed. See members of color and say, I'm not oppressed, I'm having a great time. And then it, it comforts that, um, the dissonance, and com- it comforts that painful part but that's why I always, every episode on this topic, I will quote James Baldwin, white supremacy has no color. So just because a few people of color happen to not be admitting that they're oppressed, doesn't mean that on a, on a whole, that's why we're doing the characteristics of white supremacy. Cause like you said, they're not unique to just white people. Like there are plenty of white people that aren't white supremacists. So, um, but it's just the tools that were used to keep members brainwashed, keep members in line and um, we're calling them out, so that's my yeah. pew pew comments on the matter.
1: And I, I think, <clears throat> I think, if you need uh, help making sense of of this idea of it not having color, is I think in the church you can see a lot of women who are uh, the oppressors of other women. They're these mothers in Zion, right? And you see it straight from the beginning of the church, uh, older women preparing younger women for polygamy. Um, and, uh, and I mean, yeah, I, I see a lot of women breaking out of that. Everybody has their own reason for staying in or leaving the church. Like I, uh, my sister, uh, is very feminist and trying to, you know, do some good within the church, um, which good for her. I kind of feel like it's futile, especially cause the power structure is so top heavy with these old men. Um, but she has like a secret club of women who get together and talk about heavenly mother who talk about like the feminine divine um and uh and i think that's great and i i hope that i hope that it helps people on their journey out of the church um but yeah it it, white supremacy doesn't have color and uh, these characteristics can be used for anybody to oppress
0: word and then another thing i'm glad that you pointed that out because there also is kind of this there's a essay on it that's really excellent called race to innocence mm.
1: um
0: where historically speaking the cat's out of the bag white but i love that expression but white women from a historical standpoint have been huge weapons of racism mm. and we can't ignore that. Like, that's what's hard about, um, as myself, I consider myself an intersectional feminist is, um, I want to connect with women who are not of color, but sometimes they're so uncomfortable when we discuss racism that we've had a real barrier. Mm -hmm. Um, I can't separate my fem, feminist agenda my feminist agenda from my indigenous rights agenda mm-hmm. like they're, they're two and they're intertwined but it is for them and that's what's upsetting because they'll say things like well all women and i was like listen mm-hmm. <laughs> people like me are getting taken and took and missing and never seen again by a huge proportion was like what like it's not but it'll make them uncomfortable so then they'll say well all women get go murdered or miss you're right and it's a huge problem mm-hmm. but women like me are targets on their back same with infant mortality rate right Mm -hmm. well all women die at the hands of male doctors true but disproportionately black women who are pregnant or have given birth are more at risk and that's it's it's one of those things i'm glad that you brought it up also when i was like trying to leave the church i try to be like that like i'll change it from the inside Mm -hmm. and you realize that you can't because it's designed that way yeah
1: and i i think what you're talking about with you know it's kind of along the veins of all lives matter right um i i think and this goes back to the defensiveness thing, I think it's important to remember that somebody trying to solve one issue doesn't mean they are completely ignoring, you know, these other issues. It doesn't mean that they don't think that that's a problem. It doesn't, you know, we all have this limited scope of energy. Like I put put the majority of my like activism, social justice warrior energy into making cities better places to live that's the that's the thing that i feel like i can learn about and that i can help with and there are ways that that ties into racism and feminism and like solving these other social issues but a lot of the time i just talk about hey can we get some decent public transit here right but me talk like if i'm talking to somebody about how we need better public transit and they're like yeah, but what about the indigenous women going missing? I'm like, yeah, you're right. That is a big problem, but that's not specifically what I'm talking about right now, right? Like, I think we need to be open to people working on a variety of things. And just because just because Heavenly Mother is talking to you about indigenous women going mission, missing or uh, black women having poor health outcomes... Because of the way the medical system treats them, that doesn't mean that Heavenly Mother is like, yeah, but white women—they can—they can die, you know. Like,
0: no, not it, at all. Yeah. I care when all women go missing, but this is a well, and also fun little fact. When you're talking about making cities safer in public transit, do 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 do. I bet you a whole lot more Native women would like not go missing if they could get from point A to point B safely. Yep. That's usually when we go missing, honestly, is when yep. we're, we're, where did she go? Between, yep. I can't talk about it because I'll cry because it's like a really big deal because it's like me, like I'm in trouble. Um, the, we go from literally a building to our parked car. Mm-hmm. We go from, we walk from a block. Um, there's one woman, a native woman, I can't remember her name, but really stands out to me because she tried to leave a voicemail. She got a ride from a man who ended up Uh, killing her and it wasn't further investigated but he basically did it but if she had safe transportation that wouldn't have happened yeah so any of your any of your issues to make the world a better place you can tie it to your specific cause
1: yep they they all they all link together right and i i think people who try to make the world better like we're on the same team you know i uh Mm -hmm. i so i I know somebody who they want to unionize their workplace, right? Like they talk about like, oh, like I should unionize. I'm like, frick, yeah, you should. And uh, and then they say, yeah, and we work harder and deserve more than in this area of the workplace than this other area of the workplace right like a different department or whatever right they're they're like yeah we should unionize because we get paid the same amount as them but you know and i'm like whoa 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 i'm like you're on the same team i'm like even if in your mind you work harder they also deserve a living wage i'm like you are on the same team and this is a huge issue i remember when i started my job which is unionized um the the union rep this is crazy he was going over our pay scale and he uh he was like yeah you guys don't get raises as as often or as big as the people in this department because your job is simpler or whatever right and i was like back up sir i didn't actually say this because i i wasn't as educated on unions and stuff at the time but i was you know in hindsight i'm like back up like you're telling me that i don't deserve a living wage because my job is simpler right i'm like you can't you cannot uh live in a unionized in a you know working world if if you are still using us versus them language for everything right Preacher. um we're on the same side we're on the same side no matter what you're doing to try and make the world better um we're we're on the same team um so
0: deep.
1: now heavenly mother mm-hmm. you have you have a phone call uh you have to I'm make dead. you have prayers oh. to answer
0: oh my God um
1: heavenly father is such a lazy ass you know heavenly mother heavenly mother has to do his job and get no credit um so uh,
0: <laughs> <Baby>. <laughs> typical woman dynamic typical oh my
1: God. So um yeah, we're gonna we're gonna end it here. Uh I guess we have more for next week.
0: Yeah, we have five. One, two, three, f- wait, one, two, three, four, five. We have five more. So hopefully the audience is not tired of hearing about this. I hope Imagine so. Imagine living it. Well, so you know what? They <laughs> just come and be real hateful. You're I, trying to hear about it? Well it's my fucking reality. <laughs> uh
1: well, I think we'll we'll have to work through them all next week because uh i'm going away after that so
0: well yeah i don't know if i we'll figure it out because we'll fi- i'm go- i have two weekends in a row that i'm going to be out of town or mm. so cherokee holidays coming up so i'm going to be partying at that nice going to and shit buying jewelry that i shouldn't because i don't have a disposable income but I want to get it.
1: You know, get I it. dispose of that income. That's what I
0: say. <laughs> I'm supporting indigenous businesses by having big ass earrings. I <laughs> love it. Big beaded earrings are the way. So I'll be going to that. That's one more. It's Labor Day weekend. I don't know if y'all have Labor okay. Day weekend.
1: Yeah, yeah, we have We have Labor Day as well. Um, yeah, okay. Well, we will, uh, we'll figure out a time when we do more of this. Who knows? It and, could be in four months.
0: Oh, my God. Don't say that. Please don't. I will cry um two of these are super tied together and so they'll go really fast mm. um and then i've been thinking about what i want to say about them because i think about this all the time like when you're like when you wake up the first thing you do is talk about racism i was like yeah no for real yeah yeah <laughs> <The meme>. yeah <laughs> me
1: first um, thing i so- wake up and think about is trains i'm thinking about I'm trains 24 7 i love trains
0: solid you're the train kid oh i'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm the train the little kid little kids that love trains i love those yep. kids like the dinosaur kids i was a oh yeah
1: kid. i'm a train kid
0: that's fair. Who should we close in the name of?
1: I think, hmm, we should close in the name of Bishop Jensen because I love him and I miss him.
0: <laughs> I, I thought, I could, okay, a part of me thought he was going to show up, like pop up, like surprise. That would be awesome that's fair yeah we can close and yeah sure i didn't have anybody i
1: didn't reference
0: anybody specifically um but yeah if you yeah i'll
1: i'll i'll close us out uh we say these things in the name of bishop jensen our feminist icon and uh crusher (laughs) of racists uh amen amen